Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the Pivot Towards Promising Futures podcast, a new audio series brought to you by Futures Without Violence. In these short podcasts, we will be speaking with leaders in the work to end violence against children and in their families. In particular, we explore the myriad ways that systems can be transformed to provide community support to adult and child survivors rather than relying on a putative response. We prioritize guidance that advances equity and removes barriers to the best possible outcomes for the most marginalized. We see this as a crucial pivot away from the harms caused by institutions and systems and towards supports that center survivors and their families and communities. Our aim is to generate a national discussion about how we can transform our mindset and our practices to holistically improve child and family safety. We hope you will use these shorts to engage in discussions in your organizations. I'm your host, Surabi Kukay. Let's dive in. Welcome, William. I'm so glad to get to talk to you. Uh, let's just start with introductions. Can I invite you to introduce yourself, where you are based, um, what you do there? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, my name is William West. I am a prevention coordinator with the Texas Council on Family Violence the statewide um, domestic violence coalition. I have been with TCIV for about three years um, in the prevention department, working with young people, with prevention educators, uh, with other adults in the community to implement prevention strategies, as well as to empower young people to implement prevention strategies and to work with their communities, um, whether it's school-based or otherwise, to prevent violence. Awesome. This is, I mean, the working with young people is so central to uh, thinking about how to improve child and family safety overall. And this primary prevention approach is going to, is, is critical. So we're excited to hear about what y'all have been working on as, um, as you've been developing guidance for other coalitions of what you're working on in Texas. Yeah. So we have a couple of youth initiatives that fall um, into our prevention pocket. And some of those have been a youth leadership board. We have some youth internships to really find different ways to empower young people, whether that be by giving them skills or by giving them an avenue to engage their communities in a different way that they're not usually used to or, the, or an opportunity that they, don't, that they don't normally have. One of the things that we've been doing is really critically thinking about these engagements and whether or not they're actually impactful for young people. So the project that we've been working on is rethinking and uh, restructuring possibly these engagements because we, we don't want it to be transactional. We don't want it to be tokenizing for young people just to say like, oh, we work with young people, so we know what's happening or... We're clearly up to date because we have young people in, involved here. We, we want the young people to also be benefiting and be partners in this work. So we're in the process of sort of an assessment, a reflection. And so we have invited uh, several young people who have participated in our engagements in the past, both the internships and the youth leadership board, to come and really define and reflect 
define principles that they have been working on uh, or working with that we should be leading with, having that transfer to what the structure should be um, Mm -hmm. to be the most equitable and beneficial for everyone involved. Fantastic. So, you know, this little series, this podcast short series is really focused on process. And I I, we're really looking forward to the feedback you get from the young people and um, and what lessons learned that you have you will have to share with other coalitions. But for the sake of this conversation, I'd love to hear a little more about, you know, I think we can surmise the why, you know, we understand why we want to elevate young people's voices, but a little more about why you decided to do this assessment, this, this sort of self-reflective process. And what kinds of questions did you ask yourself um, as you prepared for it? Yeah, so we were seeing that with the young people who had been involved, we had kind of a, a mid-level attrition rate. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some people, some young people just weren't engaging or weren't able to engage. And, and some of that was because they were involved in all the sports and all the student councils mm-hmm. and like young people are busy people. And I think that that's something we often forget is that, is that young people, high school, um, is a hard time. Uh, yeah. you're busier than you think you are. School is hard, all the things. And so we, we really wanted to reflect on, you know, is this the most effective way to engage the youth population throughout the state? Um, and that that's another challenge that we have is that Texas is so large and we didn't mm-hmm. want it to just be um, young people from Austin where our office is based, right? Because that wouldn't be representative of uh, of all young people in Texas. Um, there, it's, Texas is so large and so diverse from, you know, El Paso to East Texas, mm-hmm. from the border up into the panhandle. And so we wanted to, we've been, have been trying to integrate some geographic diversity as well um, as other diversity measures to ensure that the points of view we're getting from young people are representative of, of Texans, not just mm-hmm. a specific area. So we have worked with the youth boards and the interns to come back together. And we decided to, to bring in outside facilitators because we didn't want our staff Mm-hmm. to bias the the results, right? Young people, especially when they, when they enjoy the work that they're doing, they they often want to tell you what you want to hear. They don't want to displease yeah. the adults that they're working with, right? And so we, we sure. brought in some outside facilitators so that they could be or feel like they could be more honest um, in their reflection because we didn't want to them to say, well, I really like William and I don't want to disappoint him or to upset him by mm-hmm. saying something critical about his leadership or about the program or whatever, um, so that was that was step one. And that like we we knew we wanted to get them, the people who had participated in the past, back together, and we wanted uh, some outside facilitators to to structure it so that we didn't in unintentionally influence the the feedback, and so. When we engaged uh, some facilitators from from a consulting group that we we have used in, in a few different settings that lead with equity and lead with passion about engaging people to to really bring forward the, the most honest opinions mm-hmm. and the the decision was made to have a few different sessions um, one to 
try to capture young people's schedules because they're busy, mm-hmm. uh, like I said. So sometimes some weekends work for some young people because they're not in school. And sometimes weekends don't because they're playing sports or they have personal or familial engagements. Um, so we did... Um, Jobs. <laughs> right, yeah. So we, we wanted to have a few different sessions to try to capture some, some to try to accommodate different schedules. And the first couple of sessions were principal's sessions where they were led them to want to be engaged mm-hmm. with, with us, with TCFE, with the domestic violence movement. You know, what, what drew, reflecting on the principles that parent had worked in the movement, was it, you know, any number of things? Mm-hmm. Um, and what were the, the core principles that drove that engagement? And then... What were some of the values that came out of the the work that they had been doing with us? And which values should we as an organization put forward to ensure an equitable engagement, an, an equitable like adult youth partnership? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so after the principal sessions, we had a session on structure. So taking those principles and those values and trying to fold them into the structure of the engagement and the initiative. Um, How, you know, some of the things that we talked about were looking at examples of how things exist in nature, like how is a, uh, like a wolf pack organized? How is a, uh, like a flock of birds organized? Mm -hmm. How is a, I guess this, some examples weren't nature based, but um, how is a like football team organized, right? Like different Mm -hmm. structures that we're all familiar with that Mm -hmm. we, that we kind of have a base understanding for and finding based on the principles and the values, which structure would work best for, for a youth empowerment model. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we've been so far um, is the principles sessions and the structure session. And so that's, that's kind of the, the process so far. I really love how much faith you're putting in young people's minds to like come to the best solutions uh, collectively. That's uh, that's beautiful. So any really quick thoughts on what you wish you might have done differently so far uh, just for people to chew on? Yeah. So one of the one of the things that I think we could have done differently or done better um, is uh, recruited. So we, we ended up with seven young people that participated, which, which is fantastic. Uh, and they're all great young people. However, they were all the young people who were the, the most engaged in the initiatives already. And so one of the reflections that I've been having is, you know, how do we get the opinions of the young people who started to disengage from the initiatives? You know, why did they do that? Like, how, how could we, avoid that disengagement or that attrition with with the new structure or or going forward. Mm-hmm. So that was that was one of the things is that we uh, I think we could have done differently is maybe put a little more effort or leverage behind trying to get some of those other folks back mm-hmm. like reengaged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And think about what would it take to yeah, incentivize them to participate in this. That's that's yeah. a good question. Any happy surprises? So far, um, yeah, I mean, one of the surprises was was a lot of really positive feedback. Um, I mean, 
you know, we like to think we're great at what we do already, <laughs> which is nice. But to hear young people talk about how this was the best internship that they had ever had um, mm-hmm. because other internships treat them as that like stereotypical intern where they're getting coffee or they're making copies and they're mm-hmm. not able to bring their voice or themselves forward. And how much of an impact and how much they really appreciated what we did by bringing them to the table. And then the same thing with the youth board, knowing that we were able to give some young people an avenue to tell their, like their survivor story and that young people, young survivors Mm -hmm. are often not equipped by the adults in their lives to tell their stories uh, in an empowering way. And we were able to do that. And so I think that those were really great, uh, maybe not surprises, um, Mm -hmm. but great feedback that made us feel really good about where we were and what we have done so far. Yeah, you're getting something right. That's really positive. That's wonderful. So, okay, last question. What are two of the most important things about your process that you would want your colleagues to know if they were to try to do something like you're doing to help them? Yeah, so the first thing is maybe one of the harder pieces, and it's to pay them, um, Mm -hmm. to compensate young people for their time. And certainly you've got to find it within your grant structure. You've got to find it within, you know, any, any opportunity that you have. But young people's time is just as worthy of compensation as adults. If you are bringing people to the table, you shouldn't be expecting them to do emotional labor or any other type of labor without appropriate compensation. Um, And young people are no different. They're no exception to that. Um, So that would be number one. And number two is really trying to set your pride uh, aside, right? (laughs) Yeah, as adults, we... We often feel like we know best. We are able to tell young people what they should or should not be doing or what they should and should not be experiencing or feeling. Mm. And sometimes that's in an effort to protect ourselves because we we think, you know, we are the expert, quote unquote, in the room because we have the life experience or the education or, you know, insert excuse here. And young people do have lived experiences. They do have uh, a social context. They do have so much to offer. And so I think as adults, we have to check our pride at the door when we're entering into these spaces. So I really liked the first phrase you used, uh, put your pride aside. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, William. It was really a pleasure to talk to you and hear about your process at TCFE. And we look forward to engaging with the guidance you all contribute. Yes. Thanks, Udabi. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Towards Promising Futures podcast. If you think there is work going on in your community that would add to the discussion generated by this series, please email us at thepivot at futureswithoutviolence.org. That's thepivot at futureswithoutviolence.org. Email us with information about your effort and we'll be sure to reach out to you. Special thanks to Chance Taylor for his support in editing these shorts. Thanks again for joining us.